We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Titus chapter 1. As today we look at verses uh, 6 through 10. And uh, I'm sorry, 10 through 16. And we discover some pretty cool things here. Look what it says in verse 10. It says, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. If you remember last time we got together, we talked about ordination and how God would raise up guys, hopefully they have servants, hearts, leaders. There was the ordination for the purpose of insubordination because in this world, in this life, sometimes even in this church, you're going to find individuals who are not talking truth. They're talking trash. And so what God wants is God wants men who love him, men who love the people, who would know the word, they'd hold fast to the word. That's what we saw there in verse 9. They really believe the Bible and they hold tight to the truths of the Bible. So that way when all the lies are thrust out there into the hearts of the people, they would be able to exhort them. They would be able to con convince them. We saw that in verse 9. You know, and so the way that life works is pretty simple, you guys. Um, the, the enemy is a liar. He hasn't changed his tactics for 6,000 years. And God brings us the truth to set us free. You know, and God wants to take this Bible right here and the truths of his word to exhort you. And so that means whenever you're down, whenever you're depressed, whenever you're discouraged, whenever you're distressed, and I think a lot of times we're there, man. We go through life and we go through hard times. And we get so down sometimes we don't even want to get out of bed. Some people don't even want to live. They get so down and, and they have no peace, they have no joy. And so God wants to take his word and God wants to lift you up. And God wants to remind you that he made you in his image, that he loves you, that he has amazing plans for your life. He wants you to have an awesome life on earth and an amazing eternal life in heaven forever and ever and ever. And if you ever get down, I want to encourage you with that truth. God has made us, even though you know, we're knuckleheads, God has made us more than conquerors through him who loves us. He says, I want to take this word and I want you guys to hold fast to it because you need to exhort those who are down. But then he says there in verse 9 that you also need to convict those who contradict. You need to know the word of God in such a way, in such a truthful way, that when they contradict the true teachings of God, you can share the word and hopefully rescue the people. And so, you know, he gives the ordination. That's why I want you guys to be there because of this insubordination. And that's what we read there in verse 10. Insubordinate. It means an individual who defies authority and they're disobedient to orders. Uh, one version calls them unruly. Another calls them rebellious. 
Uh, if you study the Greek language, uh, for those of you Greek scholars out there, you know the, the Greek word for submission is hupotasso. Well, this word just simply has the Greek negative participle in there, and it just means no hupotasso. And so these are individuals who were not submissive to the truth of God. Notice again there in verse 10, he says, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers. And so he calls them idle talkers. Um, I don't think it just means empty talk. I mean, I, I think it means empty of truth talk. Because when these people, they creep into a church or they're out there in the world and you know, they're talking stuff, there's no truth in their talk. And he defines them there as deceivers. A deceiver. This word right here means that they understand their deception. You know, and here's the thing, you guys. Paul's not talking about people who are simply struggling with the way the church is run. It's more than that. We need to know this. He's talking about people who are dangerous, people who are heretics. As a matter of fact, notice what he says there in verse 10. Especially those of the circumcision. Or as one translation puts it, especially those who believe that circumcision is necessary for salvation. And so, you know, the way that it works in life, Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he has these guys, leaders and leaders of leaders. He has the pastors. He ordains these guys in the church. Why? Because there's so many lies out there that he wants to give them the truth through these guys. And the, the thing that's at stake right here is salvation. So if someone comes in here, it's kind of, kind of like this. If someone comes into the church and they said, hey, you're not saved by simply trusting in Jesus, you need to get baptized. You need to do this ceremony. In this case, he says they were coming and saying you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so he says we need elders and pastors to hold fast to the Bible and the authority of God's word and to be able to clearly share the doctrine of salvation. It's vital, it's fundamental, it's crucial, it's critical. Notice again, because of what happens. And this just breaks my heart. Look at verse 11. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. You know, these guys come in and it says they, they subvert entire households. Now we know in those days the churches would meet in houses and so it's possible that one of these guys come in and they would turn the whole church in the wrong direction. That's one possibility. But most of the, the teachers that we, we study in this, most of them believe that he's referring here to your family. And that's where it breaks my heart, where the enemy comes in and he grabs a hold of, maybe it's the mom, maybe it's the dad, maybe it's one of the kids, and he turns the whole family in the wrong direction. You know, when I read that right there, uh, to me it just broke my heart because we know that as a church, you know, that's so heavy on our heart. The family, you know, the mom, the dad, the kids, the structure, the fiber, the fabric of society, the devil has come in and he's done his damage. He's sharing his lies. Why? Because he wants to destroy the family. You know, it could be someone coming into the church. It could be someone somehow making it to your house. Sometimes they knock at the door, right? And they're like, hey, you know, and they got the nice ties or whatever. You know, and they want to sweep you away. You know, you walk them into your home. 
Next thing you know, you welcome them into your heart. Next thing you know, we find yourself falling away from the Lord. You know, the interesting thing is, and this right here, it doesn't even have to be you opening your door. All you have to do sometimes is turn on the radio, maybe turn on that television, maybe fire up the computer, and you got these guys, and I'm just so embarrassed that they would call themselves Christians. You got these guys propagating lies. Many times they're asking for money. And that's what we read right here. Notice again in verse 11, whose, house, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not. Why? For the sake of dishonest gain. And you know, I don't know about you guys, you know, but when you turn on the TV and you see those guys asking for money, don't you know that's wrong? Do you guys know that? Because I chirp out, I'm like, man, I can't believe Christians give to people like that. You know, they got this guy up there, and in the front, he says, hey, I tell you what, if you give $100, then God's going to give you $1,000, right? Or you sow a seed, and God's going to just bless you, and he's going to make you healthy and wealthy financially. And you know, it's just a crazy lie, and people buy these things. And so, you know, when I think of Calvary Chapel Almani, I think, well, you guys know better, Right? Right? And then someone tells me, no, there's some people out there. They're still like, you're a knucklehead. They're big time knuckleheads, man. And they would actually go and they give to that. You guys don't. Don't. God's not poor. And when they start asking for money, and even sometimes you hear some guys on the radio and you're like, you know what? But I know them. They shouldn't be doing that. We've been taught that where God guides, God provides. And if ever the day comes where we don't have enough money to, to pay the bills or, you know, whatever, pay the rent or pay the pastor, whatever the case may be, that's okay. Then that means that God's not in it. And if God's not in it, I don't want to be in it. But where God guides, God provides. You've got these guys on TV. Have you guys seen this program? How many of you have seen that program? It's called uh, Preachers of L.A. Good. None of you have. Now you're all, I messed you all up. You're probably going to go watch it now, man. <laughs> Nowadays, they have all these reality shows on TV, and I can't believe it. They actually have one, Preachers of L.A. Don't watch it, but I'm going to tell you about it, okay? <laughs> these guys are crazy. They're real preachers, and they are filthy rich. Filthy rich. I mean, one of the guys is driving a Bentley. Can you believe that? You guys know how much a Bentley costs? It's like $100,000 for a car. Imagine that. You know, and they've got these multi-million dollar mansions. They've got private jets. And you know, here's the thing, you guys. You know, if being rich is not a sin. If you're rich here today, that, that's not a sin. But for pastors to get rich off the people, that's not right. That's not right. And I pray that you would know that. You would know that. You know, when we give to the Lord, it comes from your heart. And that's between you and the Lord. You know, we'll never beg for money. And if you ever see those guys on TV or in the computer or whatever, and they're in it for dishonest gain, and it could be a financial thing. It could even be a, a power thing. They want a platform. They want a position. They want something for themselves. If it's ever like that, motivated by like that, then it's not the Lord. And so that's why he's saying, you guys, we need elders. We need ordained elders there needs to be ordination because there's a lot of insubordination out there in the world. And you guys teach the truth and you tell the people the truth that being a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be healthy and wealthy. It doesn't necessarily you're going to mean, mean that you're going to have all the money that you want. Life is hard. As a matter of fact, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
And notice what we read here in, in verse 5. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, the richest person is the content person. How many of you guys here, you buy something and then you want something else? You know, because it doesn't last long, right? Godliness with contentment. Oh, that's, that's a great gain. Here it is. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And let me ask you a question. When you were born, what did you bring into this world? An iPad? You're like, I wish. No, I mean, you were naked. You were naked and you're going to leave naked. We brought nothing in. We can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Now, that's heavy, huh? That doesn't really go, that doesn't jive with the American dream, nightmare. God says, you got some clothes? They fit okay? They might not even look okay, but do they fit okay? Do they cover you? Do they keep you warm? Do you have a bean and cheese burrito today? And he says, it's okay. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you can't dress nice or all that kind of stuff, but in the end, if doing God's will brings you to a place like this, then praise God. Because all the possessions and the houses and the cars and all that kind of stuff, a lot of times they are just distractions. They are subtractions in our life. And a lot of times those possessions can possess us. And as a minister, he says, Timothy, let me tell you these things. Verse 8, that those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare. It's a trap. And many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. That's heavy. They've strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Let it never be about money. We can't make our decisions like that. You as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, please do not be in it for what you can get out of it. You know, when God ordains you and God calls you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you love God and you love the people and you want the best for them. You want God to bless their marriages. You want God to bless their children. You want God to provide for their needs, yeah, but, but not their greeds. And sometimes when we get sick, you know, not that I want you guys to get sick or anything, but sometimes when people get sick, it draws them to God. And God will use that in their life. Only the Lord knows. But, you know, back in Titus, he's just saying, listen, it's not about money. Don't worry, I'll provide for you. Don't let that be the motivation for ministry. You know, I was reading, a, I was hearing a study from Pastor Chuck yesterday, and he was talking about the early years in the ministry where God has to teach you these lessons. You know, if you haven't been taught that lesson yet, where God guides, God provides, if you haven't been taught that lesson yet, that, you know, the Lord is the one who will provide for you, then he'll teach you. You're going to have to go through it, and it's going to be hard. You know, Chuck Smith, he came from kind of a, a, a lucrative upbringing and so did his wife. I guess her family had a lot more money. And so when they started in the ministry for the first 17 years, they didn't have a lot. As a matter of fact, the first pastorate that he was in, he made $15 a week and his rent was $45 a month. And so they didn't have a lot of money left over. And so he talks about how one time 
he was, uh, he was thinking about just, you know what, I can't be a pastor because I'm not making enough money. He added up all the bills that he owed and it came out to $415. Don't you wish your bills were only $415? <laughs> but that was a long time ago. And so he added them all up and then he said, God, I don't have the money. God, I think I need to leave the ministry. But then what happened was he got a phone call and uh, I guess a friend of his, God laid it on his heart. He said, God laid it on my heart to give you 400 and, what is 416, $426. I got, you know, he got, I don't know if he won the lottery, I don't know, whatever. He ended up getting some money and he wanted to give it to Chuck. $426? Why, he was so happy. You know what he did? He hung up that phone because the guy says, I'm going to write that check and I'm going to send it to you. And he was so happy. And he hung up the, the phone, and then you know what he did? He started dancing with his wife. He just, can't get over here, and they were dancing, right? And he was so happy. And then what happened was a thought came to his mind, and the thought was, how do you know he's going to send the check? And it was true, it hit him. And then the Lord said, you know, you believe his word to provide, but you don't believe my word to provide. Do you believe that God will provide for you? Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, and it's a lesson that we learn. You know, God will provide. You know, he may not give you the, whatever, the Gucci watch, or all that kind of stuff, but he'll give you the fake one. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and so, I just pray, and I, want, I just pray you guys would know that, you know, it's okay to be rich, but as far as a pastor in it for that, and for pastors, I think it's a different story. You know, I love the way that the Bible says, Lord, just give me enough, if that's okay with you, Lord, so I don't have to steal and I, don't, I won't forget you. See, and Titus right here, Paul's writing to him, and he's saying, you need to go in there, you need to teach these guys, because man, look at what they're doing. They're, they're in it for dishonest gain, in verse 12, it says, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And so apparently this place where Paul was ministering was a really bad place. It had a terrible reputation uh, I don't have time to go into it, but if you get William Barclay's commentary, you're going to see all, everybody said, man, these Cretans, they're the worst. You know, he says they're, they're, they're always liars, they're evil beasts, and they're lazy gluttons. And he says this testimony is not a testimony. <laughs> this testimony, he said, is true. You know, and, and, I, and I, I thank God, you guys in Almani, you guys are pretty good. You guys are not as bad as the Cretans, man. But we deal with these things, huh? You know, just as a real quick pause, you know, lying um, is not good. Being an evil beast is not good. Um, lazy gluttons, ouch, that hurts, huh? You know, what do we need to be? And there's some people, they lie, they can lie. You can't lie. Don't lie. Don't ever lie. If you as a husband lie to your wife and she finds out what she will, <laughs> then she can never believe your word. See, your word is mud. Your word has to be true. 
Some people, they can lie. They, I don't know how they do it in the world. They lie. You know, hey, can I pick up my, whatever, my car? Oh, yeah, it'll be ready on Tuesday. I meant the other Tuesday. You know, they, they can lie. Alistair Begg said, if you're a liar, you can be anything. Because you go do your sin and then you lie about it. I didn't do it. He used David as an example. David committed adultery and then he lied about it. So be careful of, of lying. Be a truth teller. Always tell the truth. Secondly, he says evil beasts. Now that's a weird one. Evil beasts. Um, when I think of the word beast, what do you guys think about? Beast. The beast. The antichrist. And so, so there are people that are like, like, they're like beasts. They're against Jesus. They're against Christ. Not only that, as a beast... It's a cruel animal. You're, you're just living on animal instincts, animal appetites. That's why people can go and they can have sex with whoever because that's kind of what animals do. That's not what God's people do. And so, you know, you don't want to be a, a liar. You want to be a truth teller. You don't want to be a cruel animal. You want to be a kind Christian. And then thirdly, you don't want to be lazy gluttons. You know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, Lord, but oh, I like those days when I could just kick it in my pajamas. You know, you guys ever have those days where like all day long, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm in my PJs. For me, it's my sweats and my T-shirt. And just I've got nothing on my agenda today. And then you go and you have 37 bean and cheese burritos. Don't you like those days? <laughs> you know, and so here's the key. Okay, look at verse 10, though. Here's the thing. Um, Cretans are always liars. So every once in a while, it's okay to be lazy, gluttons. This is not always. No, I'm just joking. You can have that rest. Um, the other day, yesterday, we went to this place. Have you guys ever heard of that restaurant? It's called Pyology. Now you're all going to go and you're going to gain a few pounds. Anyways, great restaurant. You can build your own pizza. I mean, isn't that like heaven, you know? You know, and here we are, we get a double-double. And it's like, that's enough. But Lord, I can have another one. Another double-double, seriously, you know. And the Lord is just saying, no. Here's the thing. When I eat a lot of food, and I'm getting old now. I'm already 25. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, when I eat, oh, it slows me down. Doesn't it slow you down? When you eat a lot. So now the Lord's kind of taught me, okay, have some oatmeal in the morning. That way you don't ruin your day, you know. But you know, um, a lot of times what ends up happening is we don't realize God wants us to tell the truth, not lie. God wants us to be kind Christians, not evil beasts. And God wants us to be hard-working people who at times need to deny themselves. That's it. And so take care of your body. You know, your body is a temple of God, and it's okay to have an apple fritter every once in a while, but not every day, you know? And so that was their testimony. And he says, you know what? These guys are struggling in areas like this. It's really not good when you put it all together, especially if they're Christians. And so this is what you need to do. Look what he says there in verse 13. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. 
And so, you know, what do you need to do? You know, you're there and you're an elder and you're a pastor and some of you here, I pray, the day happens where you go out and you start your church and God uses you in an amazing way and, you know, you find yourself dealing as a man who's been ordained with insubordinate people or just, you know, people who are struggling. What do you do? And this is what he says, is you rebuke them. You've got to preach the word. You've got to share God's word with them. You've got to care for them. Even though sometimes it hurts to hear rebuke. You know, to, to rebuke them, he even says to do it sharply. To rebuke them sharply. Now, the word sharply, it can mean severely. You know, you rebuke someone severely. Have you guys ever done that? You get to someone, you're going to do that? And some pastors are like that, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know there are some people who tell me, Manny, you need to be more like that. Manny, you need to be more, you need to just kind of beat the sheep, you know? You need to hit them hard and don't just pack it with the truth, but pack it with a punch. And, you know, if you really mean to them, then they'll show you how zealous you are for God and how you don't fear man. And they'll tell me things like that. And, you know, I don't want to criticize people who preach that way or want to preach that way. I think of it this way, though. Um, you know, God's got to make, we're all who we are. You know, when Brother Henry comes up and teaches, I love his style and, and Mark and Rich. We're all different. We've got to be who God made us to be. I remember one time even Chuck Smith, Kay Smith was uh, talking to him, and she said, sweetheart, you need to be more like Billy Graham, right? And you guys know Chuck Smith, right? This is about all he does. You know, he'll just move from side to side. And so Billy Graham's over there, you know, yelling, and, and he's beautiful. I love to see Billy Graham on YouTube, but that's just who he is. To rebuke them sharply, I don't think it means to beat them. I do think it means to be truthful, and I do think it means to be serious, and I do think it means to be urgent, because we're talking about life. We're talking about God. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about hell. You know, when I went to Cal Poly, I remember, um, I, I majored in philosophy, and when I was there, even though I didn't graduate, um, I remember taking some classes. And uh, just for me, I was always thinking the big questions. Lord, why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going after I die? You know, those are the big questions. And to me, when you're in a church and when you're an elder and you're a pastor, you've got to understand those are huge questions. Those are eternal questions. And that's why when you share the word with people, it's got to be serious. It's got to be urgent. It's got to be passionate because it's critical. It's crucial. It's vital. It's eternal. And I think that's what he's saying. When you see yourself in these situations, you know, rebuke them sharply. And there's a lot there. But you know, one of the things, I was reading one uh, commentary and he was talking about how even though the people were so messed up and struggling and hurting, you don't give up on them. You don't give up on them. You don't give up on that one over there who maybe they're doing crystal meth. You don't give up on that one over there. They're struggling with pornography. You don't give up on that one over there. They seem like they're so far gone, but you know what? They're not too far for God to reach. You just you share God's word with them. And you offer correction. Every pastor needs to be who God made them to be. And what they need to do is they need to share God's word. And the rebuke, it, it takes place. Notice the reason, you guys. Notice there. 
that they may be sound in the faith. The word sound is where we get our word healthy. How many of you guys here go to the doctors? You guys don't go, huh? You guys. You go to the doctors because you want to be healthy physically. You go to the Lord because you want to be healthy spiritually. And what God will do is God will show you areas of your life, and we all have areas in our life where we need to be corrected, we need to be rebuked, and when God rebukes us, we really listen. I was telling you guys about that restaurant yesterday, Pyology. you got to go there. I think it might be Christian-owned, I'm not sure, but on one of the walls, they have all the quotations that are there. And uh, there are some of them even scripture verses. Really, really just inspiring quotations. I love quotations. But anyways, one of them is by John Wooden, uh, one of the guys that I greatly admire. You guys remember John Wooden? He said this. He said, The best thing you can do for your children is love your wife. And when I, when I read that there, God just hits me between the eyes. I love my son, Aaron. I love my daughter, Ariel. I want the best for them. What's the best thing I can do? Love their mom. How many husbands need to hear that? Right? Love their mom. It'll bless your kids. See, and when we get corrected or whatever it is, it hits home, it cuts to the heart, it penetrates. You've got to receive those things. A lot of times what happens is when people correct us, we don't like it. We get all prideful. And we, what we end up doing is we hurt ourselves. See, we're going to even read later, Titus 2.15, he says, Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Don't let anyone despise you. Leviticus 19.17 says, If you don't rebuke them, you hate them. And so we read in Proverbs 15:31, the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. You know, and I can honestly tell you, because there's some of you here that, you know, there's certain areas of your life that you need to change. You know, let's just say something's wrong with your car. Has that ever happened to you? You know, and so you're, you're not really sure what it is, so you take it to the mechanic. And he says, you know what, you need a new... Um, I don't know, fuel filter. And so you leave, and you're like, who's he telling me I need a new fuel filter? Who's this guy think he is? He's a mechanic, man. And he, you know, he knows about cars, and he wants you to drive with power. And sometimes people will come to us, and they say, hey, Manny, you need a new fuel filter. And I'll be like, what's up with you, man? Where are you coming from? I'm the pastor, right? And Lord says, no, Listen. And the things that people have told me to correct me, I can honestly say there are different areas in my life that I've used, God's used to change me. And sometimes where our growth is stunted, and God says, I want you to continue to grow, but you need to listen to the rebukes. You'll abide among the wise. The Bible says uh, that if you rebuke a wise man, he will love you. See, and so if you get rebuked, if you get corrected, hey, you need to get, you know, get straight out in this area, and you're like, you get upset with them, then that means you're not wise. But when you, hey, thank you so much, I love you for that. That's what God wants us to, to that's where he wants us to be. He says in verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and 
commandments of men who turn the, from the truth. You know, and, and you're just trying to bless the people. You want them to be healthy spiritually. Don't listen to mythology. Don't listen, you know, that psychology is a little off. That sociology, that anthropology, evolution. Don't listen to stuff like that. I mean, it, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in God. Right? He says, don't listen to that, that, that funky stuff. He says right here, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. And so what the Lord wants us to do is he, he wants us to, to focus on him. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. You know, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that his thoughts towards you are good. God has a good future for you. In the book of Psalms 139, did you know this, that the Bible says that his thoughts towards you are as the sand of the sea? Every single person here, God has amazing plans for your life. You gotta know that he's thinking about you. You gotta know that you're the apple of his eye. You know, and the enemy comes in and it's all these distractions of life. You know, when me growing up, to be honest with you, it's not like I never, you know, it's not like I ever rejected God. It's not like I was an atheist or agnostic. You know, I kind of always believed in God, but I never really, like, paid any attention to Him. And yet, He's the one who made me, He's the one who keeps my heart beating. He's the one who, who died for me. You know, I remember when uh, a long time ago, our dog Chip, he's a little dog. He's the most awesome dog in the whole world. And he's going to heaven, just in case you guys ever wonder about that. He's saved. Anyways, what ended up happening is, <laughs> uh, I love Chip, and he has the same birthday as me. We're both Sagittarius, so I'm just joking, I won't say that. That's bad, we don't believe in stuff like that. But anyways, here's the thing is uh, he was outside one day and we were in the house and in our backyard where there's coyotes, they, sometimes they come in and so there's dogs that come from the neighborhood and one day we heard him screaming, yelling what dogs do, crying and we knew he was in trouble and so I remember running to the door, looking out the window and what had happened was a big dog, a big dog had our little dog in his mouth and he was eating him, man. He was just chewing him up. And so I remember, man, I hit the window and the glass broke and I opened up the door and I just went out there and forgive me for this, but I just started beating up that other dog, you know? <laughs> Boom, you know, kicking him. And um, I had to, you know, I mean, my dog was about to die. I had to go in there and do something. So anyways, thank God he was okay. I took him, he was there, he was wounded, he was bleeding. I took him, and I took him to the vet, took care of him. And, uh, you know, it was so cool because, you know, this whole thing happened, and then as time progresses, you know, one day, maybe a couple weeks later, my wife Shelly, she said, uh, I don't get it. She said, I always take care of Chip. I feed him, I bathe him, I give him water, 
but he likes you more than me. <laughs> and I said, sweetheart, it's simple. I said, you may feed him and bathe him and take care of him, but I saved him. <laughs> right? And, it, and isn't that the way it is with God? I mean, we've got these other people and thank God for them in our, in our life. But he saved you. So you should like him better. You should love him. You should honor him. Don't get distracted with all this other stuff. You've got to come to the Lord and you've got to know the Lord. Right here, he says, you know, getting these guys, watch out for those guys. To the pure, all things are pure. Now that's an interesting verse right there, and it's kind of hard to, to figure out. Um, we know that the characteristic of the Jewish faith with thousands of rules and regulations, and they branded so many things as unclean, and you know, that food over there, when Judaism combined with Gnosticism, even the body became bad, and the inevitable result was a long list of things that you couldn't do. It became a sin in those days to touch this or to even get married. That's how bad they got. And that's what will happen when you enter into a rules relationship with God. Bunch of rules and regulations. It's Gnosticism. It's asceticism. And if you read the book of Colossians, it's not, it's not beneficial. It's not. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. And, and, you know, that's a hard one. Again, you know, I was thinking about this. I was just thinking about, uh, like, for example... Um, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. Some Christians, and again, here's another warning, you know, they, they'll tell you, oh, don't watch I Love Lucy. You know, because Ethel, she had, you know how many times she got married? That's a bad influence. And they'll tell you, don't go to Starbucks. Don't go to Disneyland. Don't shop here, don't shop there. And it's like, whoa, before you know it, man, it's like all these things... And, and, you know, when that ends up happening, and again, I don't want to get in the way of your personal convictions, but when that becomes, for some Christians, that's their Christianity. That's how the world knows them. You know how we should be known? By love. Be careful. You know, the Lord is so cool. He loves you so much. He wants to save you. He wants you to know him. That's what we read in our last verse. It says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Why were these guys like this? In the end, it was because they weren't really Christians. You know, one day we're going to go to heaven and we're going to be so surprised by all the people that, that, that didn't make it. You thought they for sure they'd be there, but they didn't really know the Lord. And you're also going to be surprised by those who are there. Like, wow, you're here? <laughs> yeah, you're here? I can't believe it, you know? Why? Because it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you profess to know God. You know, and you say you're a Christian, and you say you're, you know, you're saved, and you say you're going to heaven. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you are a Christian. It doesn't mean you are saved. It doesn't mean you are going to heaven. Not just what you say, 
Well, I went forward and I prayed the prayer. Well, I went to church. You know, and you know, I, would, I don't know for sure, but I would venture to say that in a, in a group this, this large, there's probably a few of you here that think you're going to heaven, but you're really not on that road yet. I go to church every week, well, every other week, I, I'm, I'm there, you know. And, no, do you really know the Lord? N- what we see right here is the proof is in the pudding that it's by our works that we'll be able to have that assurance of whether or not we really know the Lord. Jesus said that on that day, a lot of people are going to stand before him and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we did wonders in your name, miracles, cast out demons. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do? the things I say. And so here's the thing. I'm not saying you're, you're going to be perfect because no one here is perfect. But we need, we need to be proper, you guys. We need to have that life of consistency. And what God wants to do is God wants to make sure that there was a day, what we want to do as a church is we want to make sure that you know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. And what do you need to do? Go go to heaven. You need to get baptized? No. Hypnotized? Maybe. No, I'm just joking. Canonized? Circumcised? 100 push-ups? Sacraments? What does it really take to go to heaven? All you have to do is admit you're a sinner. And that sin separates you from a holy, holy, holy God. I've sinned. But then know this, that all your sins were laid on Jesus. And when he died on that cross, he died for you. They put him in a grave and he rose three days later to prove that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so all you got to do is turn from your sins and trust in Christ. It's all about Jesus. There has to be a day in your life where you can say with all certainty, this day changed my life because... I really made a decision to follow Christ. And if you haven't made that decision, I pray that you would today. Him, he's sufficient, nothing else. Not a religion, a relationship. Right here he says, they profess to know you. And this is all I want to encourage you, and we close today, that God wants you to know him. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. If you can have a personal relationship with the person next to you, what makes you think that the God who made everything is exempt from that? No, he wants the inventor of personal relationships and fellowship wants to have a personal relationship and fellowship with you. And have you guys ever seen the bumper sticker? No God, no peace. K-N-O-W. You know God? then you're going to know peace. But if you have no God, then you'll have no peace. And so I encourage you today to know how much he loves you. He did all the work on the cross. Salvation is a free gift. Let's just say this was salvation, my little mini iPad. And I said, okay, I want to give it to you. And all you got to do is take it. You give me a penny, sorry, it's not a gift anymore. 
Well, that's kind of like what salvation is. God says, I want to give you heaven. I want to give you salvation because I love you. And so today I pray you would receive the gift of salvation. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, Lord, and for the work that you're doing in every life here. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord God, to know whatever steps we need to make, and maybe for some today, that they would make that decision to follow Jesus, to receive the gift of salvation. And if you're here today and you want that gift and you want to receive the Lord, all you got to do is pray a prayer to talk to God. And you just say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I need a Savior. And today I turn from my sins and I trust in Christ. Fill me with your love and your Holy Spirit and help me to live life from this day forward for you. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.